Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast, where we connect leaders in the gaming industry to discuss passions and challenges. I'm Sol, and I'll be your host today, and I'm joined by a fantastic panel to discuss the journey into a career in art and design. I hope you enjoy the episode. So uh, before we dive in, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. Uh, So we'll just go around the room, just let the listeners know who you are, what you do, and what you're passionate about. So Benny, could we start with you, please? Sure. Hi, I'm Benjamin Schulte. Thanks for inviting me to the podcast. It's a pleasure to be here with you guys. I'm working as an art director at the Character Design Studio based in Berlin, Germany. Since I'm not a native English speaker, I apologize for my wonky English here and there. Um, we are designing, uh, at Character, we are designing virtual worlds for entertainment productions. That means we offer creative development, design direction, concept art, marketing art to game developers, publishers, and movie companies. I studied game design at a university here in Berlin. And since I always had a strong passion for painting and drawing, I kind of drifted into concept art naturally. And after finishing my course of studies, I worked as a freelance artist for four years. Then I got hired by character over time, became lead artist, and then I had the chance two years ago to jump into the role as an art director. And as an art director, I'm basically the point of intersection between the client, the team, and also the design studio. And I need to understand the needs of the client, communicate that to my team, guide them through the tasks, make sure that a certain level of quality is achieved constantly, and then there's the more regular stuff that comes with the management position. And what I really like about the position is being able to create a space for creativity, for team building, for growth, seeing artists growing together as a team and being able to support, push them becoming better artists is the best thing. Awesome. Thank you, Benny. Fabian, could we get an intro from yourself now, please? Sure thing. Uh, nice to meet you. My name is F- Fabian, Fabian Schlager. I work as a design director slash lead artist at Materia, which is a sister company of character. So Benny, whom you just heard, uh, our responsibilities are pretty much the same ones at uh, related companies. I got my start at around 15-ish with digital art, with my own discovery of the internet, basically, online communities, and just saw other people my own age already posting stuff and figured maybe I can do that too. It kind of Kept going from there, did an internship after high school at a company called Stenarts, then from Mosen. I, I started actually my university in Bolton, England, went to Kassel, Germany to continue my university career. In the meantime, I was working freelance most of, most by now, actually most of my career, I worked freelance for a company called Sideshow Collectibles as an illustrator. Did a brief stint at a children's animation company called Hanfilm and the same guy who I did an internship after high school with, he got me into that company and then also into character which then eventually branched off into Materia. And now I, st- I started as a render artist on, on a project and then now the team lead slash design director. Uh, my main passion is, I've noticed, other than getting hands-on and painting some things, there's an element of world building to it. So I'm very, pa- I'm very excited to have landed in the gaming industry finally, which I'd actually consider to be one of the most powerful mediums out there without wanting to discredit the other ones. Thank you very much, baby. And Andrew, could you start next, please? Hi, guys. Uh, thank you for having me here. My name is Andrew. I'm a Ukrainian designer. My uh, path in the uh, in arts and creating started a long time ago in the early 90s when I was, you know, one of those kids who were drawing at school and everybody were asking you to make funny pictures of your classmates. And, you know, that was the first path in my creative career. I do have a background in uh, uh, analytics, if I remember it right. And then I um, decided that, well, Probably that's not going to be my career. And I started my journey uh, in the Royal Academy of Arts 
in the Netherlands. Um, the last 12 years, I have changed like four, uh, four countries. My long pass into gaming uh, went through set adventures from being a web designer in the outsourcing attorney at law, very weird uh, design company uh, through um, design consultancy. I was lucky enough to be a member of Frog Design, one of the biggest places in the world where you can start your career. It's uh, the most uh, awesome people around you and the coolest clients you can ever imagine. Um, X War Gaming, and now I'm UI and UX director of Stratosphere Games. Um, I'm not sure um, how can you describe what your passion is about, but mine is actually solving uh, players' problems with art and design, actually. Um, I would love to consider myself an artist, but I'm much more a designer than anything else. Yeah, super happy to be here with you guys. Uh, that's more or less it about. Thank you, Andrew. And finally, Victor. Yeah. Hi, also, thanks to be here. Uh, my name is Victor. I'm for more than 15 years now environment artist, lead artist, working at Jäger in Berlin as well. I was lead artist for I think the last three titles we did uh, started on Spec Ops Line. And I think it's also interesting the topic of today's talk. Um, my career started also, I, I was just modding, for example, in the beginning for Counter Strike and wanted to do something completely different. And after some um, there are studies that I never finished. Then I ended up in games industry by nature and said, yeah, okay, why, why? I just tried all these other things because I started with doing games and then it was just natural coming there. And by that, I think that's a super interesting topic for today to talk about, okay, what is it that can you bring into the industry? So thanks for being here. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you very much, guys. So uh, without hesitation, we're going to move into our topics for today. So the title of the top of the podcast today is uh, the journey into a career in art and design. So potentially a really interesting topic if you're thinking about getting into art and design, maybe you're studying art and design, or even you've been in art and design for a while and you're interested to hear some other people's stories. Um, Victor, let's start off with your topic today. I'll throw it back to yourself. You've supplied the subtopic of how much sense does it make for me starting a career in games these days to choose this pathway and which attributes and traits will I need to bring with me? So if you could give us a little rundown on why you chose that topic and maybe why you're passionate about it. Yeah, sure. So in short, it would be also, is the game industry the right thing for me to do? That's how I see it. Um, the background of that is, of course, looking at, and that's my personal opinion, right? It's just my personal opinion. It, it might be completely wrong here and in two years it's completely different. And it's a, but it's a different story. I think it just changed. Um, if you look at the last, let's say 30 years of game industry, how geeks started doing simple games and let's say nerds started doing funny games. And at one point then, um, people found out, hey, wait, we can make money. So it became a really money machine, big industry with a lot of management people, producer people, and then it evolved just, and then companies started with, with 500 to 1000 just artist models, for example, um, and they're still there. But then we started um, the tools developed and we have now procedural tools. And of course, pink elephant is in the room. Now we have AI upcoming. So the question is fair for everybody. Okay. Is it still a thing that I should go into the game industry? And honestly, I also don't have a good answer, but I have some tips and that I think that's still super, um, for yourself important to think about it. Is games really something you would like to create? Do you want to create games or do you like games? And then the answer is already a bit for me kind of clear, just because you like something doesn't mean you should do it as a profession. But if you want to create and already create games, 
then it's already the right sign, of course, then let's do it, go for it. And then the next question would be for me then, um, but did you already create games? And that's a benefit of these days also. If not, then just do it, just that, because there are no bonus. So what's the point behind um, trying to get into the game industry if you can download tools like Unreal or you get a, I don't know, what is a Google developer account? Is it 10 bucks a year um, to just to just make this account? Just start creating games. Just just try to develop something and just bring it out. And I mean, 20 years ago when I started, that was not possible. But these days, there are so many opportunities. And waiting for this gig at this AAA studio is still something um, that's awesome. But to get there, I think currently, and maybe we come later to what's the best way of how to learn all the stuff. I mean, my opinion is clear. So we have, you have, you have the internet, you have YouTube. Everything is there, especially when I'm working and have always, I don't know, YouTube is always my best friend. Google is always my best friend. Everything is open. Whenever I want to know something, I have this, or I just have to mention it's a 80 levels, um, Telegram group. It's the best lecture I have. I just have 50 entries every day, um, about young talented artists, showing base, showing ideas. And honestly, I'm learning every day just while checking out what's out there and. I think that's also a consideration you have to make if you go this way. Um, be aware of it's never stop learning. So it's, it's an ongoing journey about learning new things and deal with upcoming techniques. And if you can say, yeah, I feel confident to do that, that would be my first point. Okay, go for it. Then it's the right thing to do. If not, then you might have something you like more than doing games and then you just enjoy continue playing games. I don't know. That's my point on it. Would be interesting to know if somebody has an other take on it. Um, I can pick it up from you. Like, um, you know, certainly the game industry has a very specific floor, right? We all grew up through the, together with this industry, right? In the early nineties, the games were like producing uh, IBM two eighty six, and they were very specific. Then we have a PlayStation and Sega and all this stuff. So the we watched ourselves how the industry is growing but it does have this very very fairy tale vibe about it so when you go to the gaming industry you believe like wow i'm gonna do the best, the best game ever which is not always true and like answering the question or like keeping up thinking about that would you would you or should you pick up a career in the game industry you should be very mindful about that from one perspective, this is the best place on earth. This is the interactive media amusement industry where everything is possible. Like imagine that 20 years ago, the, the primitive technologies that we had, actually they crippled our imagination a bit, right? We used to have patterns. We used to have, wait, well, we have patterns and we were very much limited in our technology, but today's capability of AI, of the contemporary technologies, actually make us rethink how we approach that media and that we need to learn to dream again. This is one, this is the bright side, but there's always a dark side of the world. And again, for everybody who's thinking about like, I'm going to go into games, you know, I, I read the, you know, I'm sure you, everybody read Blood, Blood and Pixel, who didn't read that book, should do that. Like game industry stuff with this fantastic, you know, awesomeness of the magician part of the world goes a lot of overtimes, 
cracking your head around how you do solve your problems and lots of like quite hardships actually so when you're thinking about this you and i think that everybody should be very mindful if i would need to i came from design consultancy which was a completely different industry and if i would be asked once again if i would take this pass i would definitely take it because i think that the games is the best part and you, the best thing you can ever become as a designer. Then what? What would you think about it? Yeah, you smile a lot. Yeah, I, I really like the part that you missed, like uh, that that working in the games industry with all the new tools coming up, and also AI being very disruptive. That we need to start to to, to be able to dream again. Uh, I think this is actually really really important. So that's it's less about reaching reaching a certain quality. Uh, the the the, end, the the product anymore because the the tools makes it much more easier to reach that 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 bar. So it's more about the story. It's more about the emotion. It's more about creating something that people can can connect with on an on an emotional level. So um, that that is super interesting. Um, and the from I mean we at character we don't create games. We create the concept art, we develop the world for it, right? And then the, the game development happens somewhere else. But from from what over the years, um, what I experienced was that we have always a lack of people, of artists. So we're always constantly, like, constantly searching for artists. So there there was never the point in the past where we said, like, oh, there's too much to choose from. So that's that was in the past. Again, AI is disruptive. We have to see how it develops um, and how it will be beneficial to the workflow or not, to the industry or not. Um, and I definitely think it, it it's it's still like as you said, like it's the it's the best. It's, it's my it's my dream job to be honest. Working as a concert artist, it's like there's nothing better than that to be honest. But it's really hard. It's really hard, and that brings me to the. To, to the attributes that, that you need to have, the traits, um, you need endurance. And what, what Victor said is also really true. You need to constantly learn new things. That's super important. I, I saw it over the years now, um, artists who, artists who get used to the way of working and then stop developing with the new tools available. I, I don't see them around anymore, usually. Um, and only the ones who are, uh, incorporating the the new tools uh, are still on the radar so to speak um, and then also the when I from a project when I look for for artists of course the the, the quality is one thing the portfolio is one thing but I always look for team players you know I always look for for other qualities and and this is something that is not specific to, to the games industry itself. So, uh, so I think, uh, not so short, I think there, it's still, it's still a great uh, thing to, to work at games. And even and when it comes to, we could also talk about age, right? Like, is there a certain age level, um, where you're too old for it? I would say no, to be honest. As long as you have the ability to adapt and to listen and to learn, I think that's, that's perfectly fine. Not to mention something that Victor was like, the, seeing how the, Seeing how broad the industry is now compared to 20 years ago, the opportunities to get busy with it are bigger than ever before, I would argue. 
Um, a certain amount of focus might help in that regard. It might even get confusing, like where where to get in and what to where where to find your place. So uh, trying to sort of figure out what your guiding passion is and do you want to be more involved, but creative, like actually the, the artist side of things, maybe more of the management side of things, more of the uh, general you know, structure that's involved and technologies. I mean, there's there's many different aspects that can now get explored. And so if you have a driving passion that puts you in there, I still think it's absolutely viable. Uh, the AIs, the advent of AI is absolutely real, of course, and something that cannot be ignored. I think it's only a matter of time before they will make their way into production. Um, that does not invalidate the human element as far as I'm concerned. There, to, to play devil's advocate for a minute, it might throw into question the human financial viability in the chain of production. Um, but it like I at the same time, all the people that are currently active in creating games or that are active in the industry at large will continue to be so, I think. So there will be there will continue to be a drive to personally create, even if the AIs can do something similar, that does not invalidate your own drive there. And I don't think that these companies or that like if I'm looking at the people that I know, I kind of don't really see it happening that we're gonna turn around and be like, well, you know, it's nice knowing you, but uh computer's taking over now. So see see you later. You'll never know. You never know. Uh, yeah, that's that's true. But Unfortunately, it's not a podcast about AI today, right? So otherwise, <laughs> no. And it's like you said, learning to adapt and learning to work with the tools. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's for sure. I think it's a matter of getting busy with it, seeing what one can adapt himself and uh, how to make a use for it. Awesome. Well, we'll move on to the next topic then, guys. So, Andrew, we're going to move on into yours next. So, you supplied the subtopic of what influence does education and qualifications have on the journey through the career? So, again, could you please give us a bit of an insight on why you chose that one? Oh wow! Um, well, uh, actually, the reason I I picked up um, this topic was during my career I was working a lot with different types of designers and artists, of course. And it's very interesting to see how people approach the same things uh, with a very different kind of ways, depending on where did they come from. And especially as soon as I am a UI and UX. Um, designer and director right now I, I'm, I'm looking to how we can grow our team and make it better oh, every time I, I talk to UI designers um, especially who came from arts I start to see that there are the, the ways that people used to do things in lots of cases are very very different so they are, are art driven but especially if you think about the games Right now, we're still, we're like Lego, right? There's a lot of things, there's a lot of systematical thinking, there's a lot of... And sometimes when you talk to, to the guys who came in from very artistic background, you know, those principles clash. Sometimes things that look fantastic does not always work. So I was starting to ask myself, how much of that is actually driven by your education? How is important it is? Um, to me personally, um, it doesn't really matter. Uh, I believe that as soon as you keep on asking yourself why you're doing things and what is the outcome and why you do apply certain things um, that you propose to your players and to users and where everybody will be using your art, right? It doesn't matter a lot. I know that my my original education gave me a lot of structure in the way I'm, I'm thinking, so I'm not really struggling. And my teachers were always asking me, like, why are you doing this thing? Where is your big why, you know? As soon as and that habit 
became a little nightmare to myself because, you know, when you pass to Berlin and you see some kind of ads, you are like, why did you do that? You know, why any designer put that like type in there? Or like, oh my God. And this, this becomes uh, a benefit and a curse, you know? So I was wondering if you guys have encountered the same problems as, as me. I mean, like definitely becoming a leader is not only about designing things or doing things for yourself, but as well educating people and dealing with them and ma making grow bigger. And like, if a practical, like artistic background and especially artistic background is a benefit or a disaster. So this is why I brought this topic in and I would really love to hear what do you think about that? Anyone want to kick it off? <laughs> I mean, in, in regards to the, the, how much it can be a hindrance or a, or a benefit, I, it probably strongly depends on the project as well. Um, I think certain projects will absolutely require a certain, certain level of experience in one particular artistic direction. And then other pro like having someone who can put hands on and then on the other hand there will be projects where actually not being in the thick of it and being able to take a step out and being able to judge from afar is exactly what's beneficial i think there's many different styles of leadership as well in regards to how one how one can handle things uh, it depends on the team that you're working with how to channel their strengths communicating with them and seeing which part you can supplement what you can provide so that your team has what they need to work with essentially and I mean, of course, everyone, we all have our own little limits, but, but you know, experience without education, if you would need to, um, uh, get a new guys to your, uh, team, would you prefer somebody with a degree in arts, somebody with a degree in mathematics or anything else? Those are two very different things. Well, that, that strongly depends on what type of position I'm looking, I'm looking for someone, uh, and also the project that that is associated with. I think, uh, there's many different types of projects that would require different types of needs in that regard. Yeah, to, to pick that up, the I think that the the classical way of education is, is is not something that I specifically look for, but it's an interesting. It gets interesting when it's not um, when it's not art related actually, because it tells me something about the person. So, for example, I always get is like sort of uh, I, I listen more closely when someone tells me that uh, that he or she was a, a professional athlete because that means there's endurance you know there's there's the hunger for for uh, being the best being good at something you know and the, the willingness to train and also usually the the capacity to listen to the trainer slash art director then you know so so this stuff uh, is something that that is that is interesting to me but overall a degree is not is not necessary by any means by now, when it comes to art, there are some some schools, um, some universities also focused on on games um, or entertainment industry that have a quite a good reputation. So every time I see that on a visa, I was I'm like, oh, okay, tell me more. You know, like, like that that gets me curious. Um, ultimately, the portfolio decides, and then the conversation with the artist uh, itself themselves. Um, uh, like like that's. That's the most important thing. Um, but one thing that needs to be considered, if you want to work for a gaming company, for example, in a different country, and a, a degree is actually super useful to get a working visa. So this is something that, that, that is really important then, you know? So that's why also I, I thought about like, um, 
like stopping my 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 course of studies and just concentrating on on, on concert art stuff because I studied game design, so it was not just concert art. It was like I had to do animation, I had to do look into sound, to game design, coding, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, um, but I I I, I pulled through because of that reason that when I want to work somewhere abroad, you know, then then the degree is just very beneficial. I have one thing to add to this point. So this, especially now looking at the change, and because I pretty much agree with everything you said, so not even not saying I'm, I'm the best lead in terms of certain positions, but I was always pretty good in looking for people that are good. And I never looked at a diploma or anything else. I just checked the portfolio and I checked how was the talk and is it fitting to the team. What he just said, and it's true, so the question now is with having all these uh, after Corona, I mean, this um, working from home, not being in the office, no reason to relocate. Does it do it? I, honestly, I don't know if it changed anything, but I could imagine um, if this guy can work from Germany, but is not moving to the States, who cares at all? So that's the one thing I wanted to say. I'm not sure how it exactly is, but I could imagine, of course, the borders are way smaller now for, for or reason to get this degree. And... But another thing is from, from, from the lead perspective. I, that's my opinion. I don't need the diploma, but I think the interesting part for people who want to join the game industry is how do I get to this point? That's this guy loves my portfolio. And yeah, to be nice, everybody can try to be nice. Okay. <laughs> but the portfolio. Okay. Then let's focus on the portfolio. And I totally agree. There are schools. I think, for example, just I think the future games academy or so. It says in Sweden, one school. I was impressed by most of the results I could see in the portfolio and it was really amazing compared to other schools, uh, where I said, yeah, okay, obviously, um, it's, it's a way of getting interested people into the game industry. Um, but most of them, to be fair, it's, they are there in the companies, uh, gets money who is basically doing this education and they try their best. Um, but usually from experience, I'm also teaching, for example, uh, Unreal at one of the private school. And to be honest, there's one guy who made it. And it was not my essence. Maybe, I don't know. Um, but it's, it's, you could already see it. I know, I know whenever there is somebody sitting in the class, who's the guy who's going to make it? You immediately see it. You feel it. The interest. Um, it even, I remember one night was even not the best when he started, but he was so interested and so keen on learning. And that's coming back also again to what's, what's the point of if you want to be an artist or a designer. Julia has the power to really make the way through. Do you really want this? And then yes, go for it. I didn't want to interrupt you, but that was an interesting thing that you said as a diploma where I was wondering. It's super interesting. I also um, think that, yeah, the, the like working remotely is, is uh, or like the pandemic um, changed a lot there. And so it makes it easier. Um, and then also regarding the 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 university thing that uh, from my experience what was also really beneficial during the course of studies is meeting like-minded people and of course you can do that online but it's it's different when you meet in person and have to go through the 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 obstacles that the course of studies brings you know and and this creates relationships that it's basically the, the kickstart of having a network uh, which is very beneficial to finding a job later on. So, for example, in, in my course of studies, we are like like four four friends uh, of the same uh, year that we started the, the course of studies, and then uh, every one of us like at one point were at the character design studio as an intern, and then 
it split up, you know, like one guy did more movies, like, did go into the movies. Um, I stayed at character mostly. The one friend right now is an art director at Naughty Dog. So it goes a long way, you know, just, just knowing these, uh, the, the people having the, the relationships that, that go way back. And it's more deep than, than just meeting on a forum through Discord or something. Um, so there's a benefit there, but even then with the, with everything being able to remote, maybe in the future it's not that necessary anymore. I don't know. It was beneficial to me. Unless you want to come to Germany, which one of the, actually one of the most interesting, uh, countries from the legal perspective. We were trying to move, uh, my teammate from Kiev to Berlin office and we have mashed into like a wall of the doctor in terms of his real education was I think in architecture or something like that. He was a designer. I I won't say that we, we like we failed, but it took us like a year to bring the guy in actually. So from that perspective, just being on the good side of illegal and um easy way to join any country by the way. Um I I think that just makes sense a lot of Yeah. Also uh studying especially or let's put it differently that if you don't go into the into this journey with a clear focus of I want to be a concept artist I want to be a game developer I want to be this and that then a course of study actually provides a great room of play that you can uh, you know like experience different uh, disciplines there and really find something that resonates with you um, so that is also a good tip for for beginner, I would say, to uh, know that without taking a big risk to to just get some experience and really f- find out what what you like and whatnot. So the outcome would be boys and girls go join art school. It's a lot of fun if you can afford it. Sorry, I mean there's definitely benefits to it, but I would like to echo what Victor said. The portfolio is like really ultimately the the kicker from a professional education might help, but. Um, the portfolio and why the person is in there, that's really the interesting part. That's, that's portfolio a lot, by the way. Sorry, what? Do you update your portfolio a lot? I, I, don't, I, I don't have a portfolio not at all anymore. No, but not no, awful, a little bit. It's not awful today, I use that straw, because if we all don't have a portfolio, they didn't steal our work that we that, That's actually super interesting, because uh, through three years now, I met some really amazing artists, and the best artists I've met, they don't have a portfolio. Yep. It's but ridiculous. They have, but they have repetition. They have, they have people yes. that say, we don't, yes. we don't, we don't need to invite him to an interview. If he wants to come and check out the studio, how it's. <laughs> yes, yes. So for a beginner, it's necessary to have a portfolio. Definitely at one point, you can basically drop it. But, and also what Fabian said, like, like portfolio and focus is key. Everything that brought me to the position I am today, I honestly didn't necessarily learn in my course of studies. I learned it through the practice of work. I learned it through my art directors over the time. Um, but it was a great, great foundation to, to go for. Uh, do you have a, a traditional art education or? No, um, no. So everything traditionally I, 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 uh, learned myself. Basically. Because I had to, I have to say, um, I did this way. So basically I started a traditional art education that was also first on a private school because I just failed to the exam or no, the, the entry, you know, if you don't, they don't let you just study. They want to see something. And since mm-hmm. uh, I failed at times, I went for half a year just into a traditional private art school, just classical painting, drawing. And then I was 
kind of good enough that they took me. And then I realized after two years studying, uh, then communication and design also parts with traditional art. Okay. That's not what I want to do. <laughs> but, um, still, I think the, um, what I've learned over the time, that was also for me pretty helpful. So for example, some basically color and composition. And of course, if I'm character artist, not a character, a character artist, and I'm drawing five years in a row, character by character by character, sure, hopefully I'm getting better. And it's that. <laughs> awesome job, guys. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. I really hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. So we're going to move over into topic number three, uh, which is slightly different here. So uh, Fabian, could you take the lead with this topic? It's going to be around how can artists and designers navigate the business side of their careers, such as pricing their work, negotiating contracts and marketing themselves effectively. So if you could give us a a bit of a start there, Fabian, please. Sure. And I mean, in part, some of this has already been mentioned. Uh, This directly relates to the things we've already been, been talking about. Uh, in part, the expansion of the industry itself. So when, when I first got started, uh, my 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 discovery w- for this whole industry was through to the internet, thanks to the internet, seeing seeing communities online, having opportunities to interact with people that had a similar interest, and foster that kind of creative energy. That has since become almost normal. I would actually argue. I'm curious to hear what, I, but like, and the idea that people are online, that that they are present online, and have some kind of interaction with people online, it used to be a bit of a smaller community. I would argue about 20, 25 years ago, um, but it's still as valuable as ever before. Benny Ince himself mentioned the networking aspect of things. That's easier to do than ever with the advent of the internet, to be able to publish things, to be able to talk to people all across the globe, people with similar interests. This is an invaluable resource uh, that should absolutely be capitalized on. And having some kind of a presence in that sense, in interacting with these communities, so uploading your own stuff, commenting, making friends and contacts who very well might end up being in positions that y- will benefit you later on or yours might benefit them. It's, it's a give and take. Um, and also not to underestimate the value of real life networking. So the internet is omnipresent almost nowadays. But I definitely noticed a difference between taking the time to, for example, travel to a convention and meet people in real life and actually talk to them in real life and make that connection as opposed to them being an icon in a chat list. Even though you could have great conversations with people online and make genuine friends that way. That's how it started out with me. But not to underestimate taking the time to go to meetups or conventions and meeting people in real life, maintaining those kind of relationships. Um, in regards to the sort of negotiating thing, this also re- relates to, I mean, of course, it's, yeah, experience helps. And how do you get experience without getting started? It's a bit of a catch-22. Uh, it relates to the focus thing, I would say. So negotiating your position, your contract, having some kind of a focus certainly helps knowing where you want to be. So that also structuring your own responsibilities, like negotiating what your responsibilities would be, where it's headed. And of course that depends on your own 
your own interest, your own drive. If, you, if you're just looking for an opportunity to get busy, that's nice. And that's a, that's a nice energy to have. And I mean, that's how I did it. So it's a bit rich of me to say this now. Uh, if you can take a step back to sort of try and focus, what is it I'm actually trying to do here and where do I want to go? That is certainly beneficial, um, I would argue. And in regards to pricing, also right back to the whole networking thing, it helps, of course, to talk to people, get some kind of an overview. Also, it helps in my experience to try, if you can, to know your client. If you're just starting out at, I don't know, whatever age and you might be commissioned by someone to draw their online avatar, it depends on who it is, but there's a good chance that they don't have necessarily the same resources at their disposal as a AAA company. And the same thing is true in reverse. If a AAA company is trying to make you an offer and it seems like maybe they can afford to pay more, then I wouldn't be afraid to take that step or at least try it. It doesn't mean one has to go completely crazy with it, but in my experience, or I had a very my direct experience was that I got an offer at one point where I thought, you know what, I think this company's kind of big. I think that they can probably pay a little bit more. So I just said that I think they could do a better offer. And they came back with saying that they thought this was a sign of professionalism to actually know your worth. They respected this and gave me more money. So every once in a while, it helps to take a little bit of a risk there. But of course, uh, like judging on whom you're taking it with in a way is certainly well, beneficial. Um, yeah, I mean, as a freelancer, I guess there's a general of making sure to try and offset your costs to some level. You might have downtimes, you might have times where you don't have a client. So you might want to, by default, try and go for a rate that kind of offsets your downtime a little bit. Um, yeah. What did yeah, you guys say? Like, did, what, what did I miss? Hit, hit me with it. Hit me with it. It's just, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Victor, go ahead. It's, um, because I just don't have too much to say about this. <laughs> I have a pretty bad answer for myself. And, um, but there's one thing that at the at least we, uh, introduce kind of, that's, that's more than on if you already have the gig. So you already have the salary, but still there's also a problem in, okay, to ask for races uh, for a race, then you, um, it's always a bad situation. So people are more bold than you. So they just go and asking for, they get so, and just because you don't, and basically you stay with your salary or the base salary. And by that, it makes sense at least to check back first the company. Okay. Do they have kind of a transparent salary scheme? I mean, in Germany, usually they don't have. I'm um, personally, I'm usually pretty open with that because I think I just also want to know what the other generally earning. And that's again, kind of a networking thing again. So if you had long, a lot of people, if you know what, what actually is. And it might be, I'm not sure, I don't want to say too much about the legal side of things, but in the end, there is data out there. So there's glass, so you can check what is a good uh, salary and you should definitely check it out. Also in general, the, you, you should try to get everything uh, you can find out about a company you're applying for and if you it makes you an offer. And of course, in the end, it's always about negotiating. And But if you know, okay, the company is already pretty keen on that, for example, I started with, we have, for example, a yearly um, salary adjustment. So it's basically all the same. So it's at least if even if you don't go to your, your boss and ask for some money, it will be at least something that you get more in the end. And that's something that's super fair. Um, and if you have something in place like that, it's already a good sign for this. But other than this, I'm really I'm not the best. <laughs> okay, well, uh, the the it's it's um it's an interesting question uh, definitely or when i started then out as a freelancer in retrospective i wish that did some stuff differently and especially on the business side to be honest um so just especially uh for for the beginners 
who are listening to this and, and wants to join this creative path, you need to, I think, you need to be clear about your finances there. Um, that also means probably having a separate bank account where the cash flow goes in and out. So you have an easier time doing taxes, to be honest. Uh, it's just much more efficient. And then with pricing their work and and uh, what what Fabian said that like reaching out, talk to people. Usually, um, the, the the people in the industry are fairly open minded to that. Some won't respond. Most will do. And then there's a difference where you live. This is also something that needs to be considered. Like uh, uh, concert artists in the states are completely different than uh, concert artists uh, in Germany or in Italy or something. That it's uh, so there's a difference there um, that that needs to be taken in consideration. And then um, negotiating contracts. That's also something. What what Farah mentioned that it's, it's actually a sign of professionalism to do that. And with that, you need to know your worth, basically, for yourself. That means you need to know your living expenses, what you need on a monthly basis, and then um, what comes on top of that. There was a there was a interesting video I've seen some time ago from a designer at Nike who raised the question: uh, Why should someone pay me a lot of money when I can do a design? in 10 minutes when somebody else needs uh, I don't know a week for that so uh, just in relationship to um, yeah you need less time for it so why should you pay more for the one who needs a whole week for it and that's because you're not just paying for the image or the the, the service or something you're also paying for the time you spend learning the skills so that means your value is rising over time that needs to be that needs to be considered. And as a beginner, there's less wiggle room there. Um, you really need to be mindful about your skills, portfolio, etc. Uh, usually, experience is also something that is very valuable to, to companies. Like, how many games have you shipped, for example? And so, for example, my first... It, it wasn't exactly a job, but I did a test job that was unpaid. And I was not sure if I should do that or not. But this thing propelled my career forward a lot actually and before that I got the advice never do unpaid jobs etc and it's still advice that's you know like be very mindful about payment there but it's, you have to um, really think about like the opportunities that, that it maybe creates again it's really hard to judge without having the experience so definitely building a network get some people that are more advanced more have more seniority and ask them for advice. To be honest, that's 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 super important. And make time to also m for for marketing yourself. That means, especially in the beginning phase, that you set I don't know two hours a week for updating portfolio, doing portfolio work, or even reaching out uh, to to network people. Think about uh, or, or find opportunities to attend um, uh, conventions or something like that, where you can you know like like connect. Um, and you have to do that for a couple of years in the beginning, and then you can go more easy on it. But I think in the beginning, when you're starting out, this is an advice I would give. I mean, probably I make some mistakes here and there, but that's all. Kind of li li living by learning on the job. The job. I mean, the, the mistakes are almost the, the best part of that. You know, I love my mistakes when I was uh, when I was much much 
younger, I was like super bold and whatever I wanted to do is design myself and my presentation. Like I made so many bruises that like, whoa, but there is no learning without that. But, um, if, um, if I would need to give an advice to somebody who is actually trying to market himself and go as a freelancer and especially as an artist, we as creatives, uh, are always like, not always, like in a lot of cases are being overwhelmed or drawn with how awesome we are. I mean, all of us, our ego is the biggest problem when we start marketing ourselves. We always think that our portfolio is the best. I just drop a couple images there, a couple images there, and I will be a superstar. Maybe, but maybe not. Especially when you start yourself with a career, I would definitely try to look on yourself from the perspective of the person who you want to hire you, actually, from your client's perspective, and answer yourself, and especially when you build up your portfolio, the one that we all of us need to keep on maintaining all the time, we need to make sure that we are trying to first aim towards the industry, the problem, or the company, or even the client we want to work with, and try to answer his needs or the or, or the company's needs. Right. First, make sure that you know where you want to go, which benefit you can bring to the company, which problems can you solve with your create creativity and your talent and your experience. Like, because then it would help you out to actually answer the question, how much do I cost and how much can I ask for that? I think as soon as you maintain this little principle of trying to tone down your ego, actually like kick it in the darkest corner and say like, Guys, I'm I'm here with all the stuff I have and actually answer those questions. How can I benefit the company? Which problems can I um can I solve with my talent? And how much will it cost? I think actually that that's gonna be a good start for any normal uh, like actually successful career. Or at least that would be my five cents. Maybe I'm wrong, you know. I think that would be great advice for someone who perhaps is, is struggling to find a focus themselves and is, is trying to find trying to look for for ways to to adjust themselves to play. De Can I play devil's advocate for a short second? Because I actually I totally agree with what you said and the value that's in it. At the same time, there's like on a key, like if I'm looking for a strong artist or something, part of strong imagery is a strong statement, and that can be tied to. It doesn't have to be tied to a strong personality inherently, but to the capacity to perhaps make some kind of a executive decision. And that means knowing what kind of statement or what kind of effect you're trying to create. Uh, that means having some kind of an identity. And if you're look if you're looking for one, then certainly finding a way to uh, service specific needs is absolutely viable. Uh, if I just wouldn't say uh, silence your own artistic voice. Definitely take your ego and put that thing down a notch and remember that there's many, many people out there you're competing with and you have, you continue to have things to learn always. Um, but there's something to be said about not only working for the interest of a client, having your own, your own path, your own vision that you're trying to pursue in that regard. If that directly conflicts with your client, it might not be the right client. But of course, that's a bit of a luxury to say that. Uh, I understand. <laughs> I'd like to, to be a, one at the beginning. One might maybe one is, is is happier to have a client. Period. Okay, we'll uh, yeah, we'll shift on to the final topic. Um, so, Benny, you're going to finish us off today with the topic that you proposed, which was how has the field of art design changed in recent years, and what impact has this had on the career paths available to aspiring artists and designers? Tell us a little bit more. 
I was curious, like, how you guys experienced that. Um, because I remember when I started out that when I was trying to find tutorials online, I had to order a DVD. So Gumroad wasn't a thing yet. Um, and then it really quickly, uh, uh, I would just say, like, like developed so fast that, that you have so much more resources to choose from. And, and also at the same time, the software got easier to use and also got cheaper. For example, in, uh, for us, uh, it was a, like Blender was a big game changer with 2.8 when it got, when it became so good and it's a, it's a free software. Before that, we had the problem that everyone was sort of using their own 3D software. Some could afford the very, Uh, expensive ones, some had to use cheap ones, and then it was really hard to work together because you know, we had to export and import stuff. And that just made it so much easier to collaboratively work together, just everyone using the same software. Same thing for Photoshop. I remember when I was a student and I wanted to buy Photoshop, it cost, cost like 800 bucks or something. And now you can get away with 10 uh, euros a month as a subscription plan. Um, so this changed a lot. Uh, I think when it comes to like how to enter it, but at the same time, it grew so much that I think it's now hard to choose from. Actually, like what is the uh, without proper experience to know like what is good quality content or whatnot. Uh, I see a lot of stuff on on YouTube, for example. Something is some some videos or, or channels are really 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 good when it comes to information. Most of it, in my opinion is kind of crappy. Um, but there's no way of, of knowing that. So uh, how how did you experience that? How, how did it change? I mean, it definitely became global. <laughs> you know, a long, yeah. long time ago, when you were, the, the, the times you were talking about, we were like sitting in our own offices with our own software and stuff like this, with the new steps and design and, and creativity, with uh, collective Uh, collaborative tools with Figma, with Miro, with Sketch, you know, back in the day, it became much a smaller space, actually, you know, you used to think like that the guy there sitting in San Francisco while you are sitting in Paris, like on the other planet, and actually he's almost in the uh, next uh, next door to you, which which is good and bad in the same, the same way, you know, it's easier to talk to people, it's easier to communicate, it's easier to, to get the experience from everybody else. And it's easier to share what you know to, to the others. That That's definitely a good part about that. I'm not actually, I don't know what's the bad part that is happening to design um, these days. Probably too much games, you know, this is the uh, always a downside of Yeah, this, this is also something I noticed, especially with Unreal being a big thing now and, and Quixel and Megascans that, um, it, that a lot of products, a lot of games sort of look similarish, you know, their, their unique voice is missing you there. So I yeah. definitely noticed that changing over the years. And yes, especially in talking about art. I think we had this yesterday also. I think even Vsol has this one. <laughs> that back then you had a company, um, let's say 20 people. No, I remember. I know I met, I met last, last week I met a creative director from Gothic 1 and 2 from Probania Bytes. Uh, in a pub it was really funny. And we talked about how this, uh, um, changed back then. So I think they were 20 men, 20 people team and they developed their own engine, right? And with their second title, they, they just updated their engine. 
today you have the situation um it nobody i mean maybe for 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 mobile but even there it's not the best idea with if you start um going developing your own engine because you have already these powerful unreal engine you have unity and honestly who's why should you use anything else except being special or unique um but of course it just you know okay if i want to create my own engine i need that amount of people it will never compete what i don't know 500 engineers do over there and this one is for free and this is of course already a yeah not not saying it's a bad thing because it's an awesome thing because everybody can use it and everybody gets in but from a point of uniqueness and maybe different approaches then it's definitely another thing i still think it's more on the good side in terms of freedom um art freedom creative freedom because in the end yes because just they all do clones of clones of clones doesn't mean you cannot create something unique with these tools and you can create something unique easier than ever before so that's that's for sure at least from that point and then yeah of course there's a ways of doing things when i remember how i learned modeling um I don't care about fully content anymore. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, then I thought it. Yeah. So, wait, wait, should it? I mean, it's good to know, to have this knowledge, but these days there are just other things that are way more important to know about. And I think if, if one thing changed is that for now, and especially looking into the future, everything gets way more technical. So this means the knowledge about how to at least be able to have using node-based editors like Houdini, like in Blender, right? Um, that's so much important because there's the power of the future. It's not about that I'm a fast modeler. And even if there will be still always a valid thing for modeling, um, the technical side of it will get bigger and bigger and bigger. So there's, um, I, honestly, I would never thought that I had to deal so often with mathematic problems than now as a level builder, let's say. And I love it. <laughs> to be fair, after after you breaking through the thresholds that you don't want to deal with mathematics as an artist, but if you realize once how much you can do, what's possible, um, compared to what you were able to achieve before, then it's a massive difference. And it's one of the cool things. On the other side, again, one of the less art things. So we're going a bit away from pure art. Just going and talking about the Benjamin because you said it was a good thing uh, that you all know use Blender. Uh, see the point. But the funny thing is, we did something exactly the opposite. So we had to, we we're basically in the beginning of back of the line back then. We had to use I think this was for for environment artists, 3 ds Max and characters Maya. So that was given no way around. Uh, the first thing when I was leaders, I said because I wanted to try out other tools, and we had also one using Modo back then. I think. Um, let's do it. Everybody's free to use whatever he wants. Let's see how it is. So the problem was because, hey, but the source files, if we need to change something, uh, then I realized, okay, I never experienced that somebody looked for source files, went into original files, somebody else, fixed some issues. No, it never happened. So basically, if it really had issues, you just can take the FBX or whatever, or you're just going to rebuild this. And it worked out. So I'm not saying uh, it's that thing using the same tools, but also on the other side, I realized, yeah, it's also not a bad thing as everybody is using the tool he really feels good in uh, and is fast with. So, and then you might more specialize in certain things. Um, but okay, but now it really is slightly moving away from the original topic. <laughs> Robin, what, what do you think? I, I just, I, the, my one thought was about the, the influx of, of uh, due to the fact that it's gotten easier to get in, there's just a, a huge new influx of products. And uh, perhaps... It could be seen as a dilution of quality, but I love it, man. Like it's 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 that it's that 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 less 
the fact that it's easy to get into. Like some of these tools are so powerful that the fact that a kid in their room can basically already get started with this stuff, I think it's amazing. There, there's going to be a bunch of products that may not have the identity or may not really know what they're doing and clones of one another, sure. But I, I, I love the fact that it's it's a more that the, the the entry to threshold is lower than before. Yeah, I totally agree on that. The uh, especially Victor, what you mentioned regarding the technical limitations, uh, limitations. Um, uh, I actually forgot about that. How much? How many hours are waited on a render to finish? And nowadays, with the new fast <laughs> GPUs, it's so much faster. And and uh, even though you have to look at the technical aspects of it, uh, I feel like the the creativity uh, is gets more and more important nowadays. Um, really being able to have a why, like, like Andrew said. And and try to bring that out uh, in, a, in a creative way. Um, that's that's definitely something that that got easier nowadays. Um, but I also would say that even though there were a lot of changes, for example, the fundamentals of design and art still the same. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah and having some kind of knowledge there is actually really good. Pretending that the technical tool alone is going to solve everything is perhaps will not not perhaps not always bring you the result that you want. Sure. Yeah. I always uh, or not always, but I, I see it especially in juniors. That's why I, I picked the topic um, for for uh, regarding beginners and the, the, this creative path, um, where I see beautiful image when it comes to quality, detail level, uh, style of rendering, etc. But when I then get to a conversation. Uh, with them and say, yeah, but the various structure isn't working. They oftentimes don't know what I mean. Or when I just mentioned, like, the, your your shape work could be optimized. They're like, what do you mean? You know, like, uh, then talking about the design principles, like rhythm, uh, hierarchy, harmony, balance, etc., etc. Um, uh, so that was interesting to me to, to see, like, okay, even though there are new technologies, even though there is AI, don't disregard the fundamentals um, that's that's important learning history that's what i would say also ties into the tools have gotten more powerful but they are still mainly tool like we'll see how it goes with ai but i mean as a, as a tool yeah oh we'll round it off there thank yeah. you very much for listening to the evolution exchange gaming podcast and i want to say a big thank you as well to our amazing panel today Benjamin, Fabian, Andrew, and Victor. It's been a pleasure. Uh, thank you for lending your time and for providing your insights and your stories into today's topic. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we look forward to welcoming you again very soon.